HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Union Beer. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. I'm Linda Palaccio, host of A Taste of the Past. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. This is a special live show at Jimmy's Number 43. Uh, Be United, one of our favorite importers of European and other beers, is hosting an annual event in Nepenthia tomorrow in Connecticut where they have uh, special brewers come from all over the world. As you can hear, it's a live show. There's people talking. We're at Jimmy's Number 43, and we're lucky enough to get some of the brewers in the room with us. Um, we got Michael Opolensky from Be United and Justin Phillips from beer table who are going to help guide me. So far we have uh, Jerome DuPont from yes. Domaine DuPont. How are you, sir? I'm fine, thank you. Great. Giovanni Campari and Manuel Piccoli of Beer Ficchio del Ducato and uh, Jeremy Luz of Beavertown Brewery in the UK. So we're going to try to see how we can do on the show, guys, back in the studio. But um, hey, welcome to Beer Sessions Radio, Heritage Radio Network. I'm Jimmy Carboni from Jimmy's Number 43. Thank you to our sponsor, Beer Union Beer Distributor, supplier of world-class ales and lagers. Okay, here we are. We're going to give it a shot. It's really loud. Let's start. Let's go around the room. So, Michael, tell us about Nepenthia and about the the brewers that you brought here. So, Nepenthia, this will be the second edition of this event. Um, so far, we've done it every other year since the first edition, which was done two years ago. Uh, essentially, it's uh, inviting a lot of. Um, it's a trade-only event, so we invite many of our accounts and wholesalers from around the country to come to our uh, warehouse up in Oxford, Connecticut. Uh, we set up um, various tables around our facility where um, the brewers that we invite can display some of their products. We invite the wholesalers and accounts to come in, taste uh, the products from these producers, see a little bit what we do. As you know, we do a lot of um, barrel aging in our facility, to, so to see that operation, see the brewery um, where we're now brewing beers from essentially just see from how Be United works up in uh, up in Connecticut. All right. And Justin, you know, you used to work for Be United, you have your table. You know a lot of these brewers, too. 
to tell us a little more about your experience with these guys. Yeah, I mean, just from my perspective, it's a really nice event where a lot of folks get together that uh, uh, get to show really special products that we otherwise uh, don't get to taste all in, in one sitting. So it's a, it's a, it's a nice day. And, and one of the beers we're tasting right now is the Beerzel Matina from you guys at Del Decato. It's, it's such a pleasure to meet you guys. Uh, you, had, you have a beer called Piccolo, don't you? Yes. Yes. We had that for a long time. I know we used to, we've had a lot of your Italian beers. So what's it like for you coming to America with your product? Well, uh, it's such a pleasure to to visit you. Uh, every time uh, we come to New York, we, we pay a visit to you, Jimmy. So <laughs> it's such a pleasure. Well, um, uh, talking about our Nuova Mat- uh, Bersa Mattina, it's... Uh, this beer is uh, one of our um, best-seller beer. It's uh, a blend between a lambic that we buy from our uh, friend uh, Kert from Alt Bersel in, uh, in Bersel, in, uh, in the Payotte land in Belgium. And we blend with our um, saison, which is called uh, Nuova Mattina. Then the, uh, we let it age for minimum six to nine months. And then... Uh, the beer, the beer is ready. The, the funny thing and the interesting thing for the taster is that this beer uh, has a very um, a great evolution in the, in, in the month. So in the beginning, you you feel more the, the season, and uh, in the years uh, of aging, you, the, the lambic overcome to the season. So you know, we've met you a few times. Giovanni, Manuel, it's the first time that you've been yes. here. Yes, for me, it's the first time in your uh, fantastic pubs, uh, but uh, I, I was uh, sometimes in uh, New York and sometimes in the U.S. market. I love the uh, U.S., I love New York, and it's a pleasure for me every time it comes here. And to, to, uh, to be able to drink a lot of craft beer that we don't have the possibility to find in Italy. And so it's a very, very good trip for us to present our beer and to drink a lot of good beers. That's great. Just so you guys know, all that food's for you. So there's food to be adjusted if you guys want to eat it, because we're going we're to talk to these guys a little more. So your role in the brewery, so it's, it's Birificio del Ducato. So much has changed in Italian beer. Just tell us how you guys started and, you know, the roles you have in the brewery. What jobs do you do? Uh, yes, I am the administrator of the Ducato Brewery, and me and Giovanni are the, the, the founder of the, the company. And um, we are increasing a lot of um, uh, this year and in the last year because we are building a new um, new brewery. So this year, uh, finally, we can able to open the the, 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 the third uh, brewery that we have um, in Italy, and it's the bigger for us. And uh, with this um, brewery, we can able to satisfy a lot of uh, uh, new market and a lot of beer that we we love to produce. Well, of course, uh, I, I'm Giovanni, and I'm, I'm a co-founder of Beer Feature del Ducato and the Brewmaster, and. Uh, mm, we're facing uh, in Italy a um, new hype of the of the craft beer movement, and the Italian craft beer movement started in uh, 1996. But uh, it really uh, it really uh, blew up in uh, in 
2005-2007. We started uh, uh, our uh, adventure in 2007, so we are eight years old, and uh, we, uh, we are building, uh, as Manuel said, our third brewery, which will be um, one of the, the, the biggest in the craft, uh, craft beer industry. And the second one will be closed and disassembled. We will keep some uh, tanks and uh, equipment uh, for the other breweries. And the first one will be turned into a sour beer brewery only. We have uh, more than 700 hectoliters of uh, wooden uh, barrel aging. We have uh, some fermenters. Uh, uh, eventually, I'd love to install some concrete fermenters as well, at least in, in, uh, in Oxford, Connecticut, from the, uh, at the United facility. And uh, there we, we will experiment a lot. We, uh, we made a lot of uh, sour beers. Um, we brew some spontaneous fermented beers like uh, Chrysopolis, which is uh, a beer that never seen, never see the steel. The first time uh, this beer sees steel, sees steel is uh, when it's poured on the drive. So it's fermented in wood. Um, and we brew um, many sours, but I think that... In my opinion, this is the future. I mean, um, craft beer, um, uh, the global craft beer movement um, will go, that's my point, in towards two directions, sessions and sours. Because the session beers are the more satisfying, easy drinking, thirst quenching, and the sours are the more complex. So are the, uh, uh, the missing ring between beer and wine. And so a lot of complexity, like some wines, but uh, with the uh, drinkability of beers. So if you can have a, a session sour beer... <laughs> Sounds, that's like this Brazil martini. In some way, yeah, it is, yes. Yeah. And, and what was it like starting a brewery in Italy? Like, how did you get the money? Because <laughs> you're in New York City, you know, everyone has yes. money in New York. I think to get money in Italy is very difficult. It's, it's better to get money in the U.S. market. It's a joke, naturally. But um, I think, actually, the craft beer in Italy is uh, one of the... The limited sector that have a big uh, uh, development, and so we can uh, make a good job. We can make a, a strong investment in um, establishing in the people, in working, in research and development, because it's um, one of the, the food alimentary sector that in Italy is very known and is very appreciated all over the world. And. Um, we have no um, history of the beer, we have a history of the wine, but we have, this, we have uh, um, built something in this year that can, um, can say that we are important in the craft beer also with the people, with the, our country that have a history. And so it's a new movement that we can uh, improve, we can uh, sell abroad, and I think it's very interesting for us and for all over the world. This show is going to be a little different. It's it's loud here, so we're just going to talk to a couple of guys at a time. But Michael, come on in. Tell us what tell us what you you have to say about about uh, this beautiful Del Ducano. Del Ducano. We're really proud to have them in our portfolio. I mean, uh, we've spoken before at length uh, on this show and just together, Jimmy, about the excitement of the Italian craft beer movement. Uh, what's been going on over there over the last 15 years and in my opinion and I don't think I'm really the only one but 
El Ducado is one of the most talented breweries that's making beer right now in Italy, without a doubt. And, I mean, worldwide even, they're uh, You remember when they first, they first came into the American market, the, the Piccolo, that was it's an Italian lager. No, the, the first time... Via Emilia. Via Emilia, the first time uh, we, we get into the U.S. market, it was, I, I, I remember because I was there, the, we made a tasting at, at Brooklyn, at the beer table, Justice Place. It was in uh, early December 2007, I remember. And you brought them first, what, the beer? Uh, no, 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 Mama Mama Mattina. Mama Mattina was the first beer to, to be exported to the United States. Yeah. And then, uh, how does it do for you guys? Did you have to sell this beer, or did it just catch on with, uh, you know, the beer enthusiasts? When we first started, in general, the uh, it was an uphill battle. I mean, the Italian beers are on the pricier side. Um, so it took a while to get placements for Ducato beers and really any of the Italian beers in our portfolio in general. But... Um, Lately, there's been a lot of press on it, and the quality is evident in the products. Uh, so with, with our work on the field and maybe some interest from other uh, restaurants and, and beer bars like yours and others around the city that are dedicated to quality craft beers from around the world, um, yeah, slowly but surely, we were able to, to place a product. It certainly wasn't something where Ducato arrived and it was flying out of our doors. No, it took a little bit of time to get stick with a lot of these Italian beers. I mean, it was a, a new country that um, new to the beer world, so it wasn't necessarily... You know, you wouldn't walk into a place like, oh, yeah, of course, I'll take a keg from this guy or that guy. No, it took some convincing. But, uh, again, the quality is there. There is a certain level of innovation uh, behind these breweries that, again, is evident. So, yeah, slowly but surely. With the I mean, as, as an American, I love the Italian craft beers, but I also get confused by the names. It's true, right? There's there's so many. How many how many craft breweries are in Italy right now? More than eight hundred. Eight hundred. Eight hundred fifty, we can see. And every month, uh, new, new breweries is coming up. Let's just get everybody in tight. We're at a table in the front of Jimmy's number forty three. It's very loud. So, um, Jeremy, you know you're making a beer's town in in England. Do you get a chance to taste the Italian beers that the United is importing? Well, to be honest, I think we were just talking about when we first met was at a beer festival in Rome called Yoraha. Yeah. And um, I, something that really struck me when you were talking about kind of the, the Italian craft beer scene is, is the memories that I have from that, which is my first experience of the Italian craft beer scene that it's absolutely booming. People are fanatical for beer, and it was uh, it was so incredibly refreshing. Um, they wanted to talk to you about how the beer was made, what went into it, um, the different processes, um, and and they were genuine fans. Um, and and it was in mass. I mean, the the crowds that were at this festival was was fantastic. And then later, I got the opportunity to go to Solona del Gusto, and I saw uh, and I saw the the blend between the slow food movement and the craft beer movement. And um, I think that really put put it into perspective for me about the origins of craft beer and how rooted they are in, in slow food and and in that interest in knowing where your where your um, where your product comes from, what goes into it, who makes it, all of that. And what, what, what was it in Italy that made the craft beer scene take off? Because you're ahead of other countries. I don't know. I don't know what. What uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, 
what was the, the sparkle that hit the, the lit the fire. But now the fire is uh, is burning a lot, and uh, um, we have more than 800 microbreweries. But the demand for craft beer is increasing day by day, and uh, that's the reason why we we decided to um, to open a. a a pub, our first pub, not in Italy but in London. So uh, two months ago we opened open a pub in London. Yes, yes. exactly. Well, how can yes. you do that? Yeah, like we, we did at the EU or something. Or? We, we did. We have a partner in London. We have a, we are we are two of Manuel and me, beneficial uh, Ducato. We own the, the pub with, with other partners. One from Rome is a famous publican from Rome, and uh, another partner who from uh, from from our town police in London and we open in Chiswick this pub is called the, the Italian job and uh, it's, the, it's yes. the first you know it Jeremy the UK's first Italian craft beer pub and uh, um, I didn't English, know you were behind it though yes we, we that's fantastic we yes. brilliant and, and the English uh, seems to love it and, uh, yeah we yeah. only sell uh, Italian craft beer only Italian craft beer and Italian and, uh, food yes. uh, we have Italian stuff Italian craft food and, how, uh, how big is this place the Italian job it's more like, it's a, more it's less a, like it's not too much big it's a smaller but it's a very nice because we have uh, 12 uh, um, draft uh, uh, cakes on, uh, on the table and we have uh, also our beer, but we we can have uh, a lot of Italian craft brewery, and we we can have uh, the possibility to invite our colleague, our Italian um, brewer, and so we can show the Italian movement in London uh, by producer, but also by consumer. Yes, we want to showcase the Italian in itself, so, not only like, us. So on a typical night, if I go to the Italian job in London, what are the tw- twelve different breweries you might have on draft? Here? Not twelve different breweries, well, twelve twelve beers on draft. 10, uh, 10 by cakes and 2 hand pumps and uh, normally the half uh, from uh, Berificio del Ducato and the rest from uh, other Italian carburers like Borgo uh, Italiano. Berificio Italiano many others that's cool man Michael you want to say tell us where to close out this session man. anything else you want to say about Italian craft beer I think we've covered it You've pretty, pretty exciting say. stuff now I mean they're uh, this Brazil Matina is awesome. Let's toast to that. Again, we're doing a special session here at Jimmy's number 43. Uh, May 1st. This is what we're doing for May 1st. This is our protest. We're celebrating good beer in New York. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right.
Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. This is a special show, May 1st, 2015. We're at Jimmy's number 43 with the gang, special brewers from Beat United. Tomorrow is their Independentia biannual event. They've invited a number of their brewers in from South Africa, England, Italy, and beyond. And um, we're lucky enough to have them in New York City. Michael, I know that with Independentia coming, how many brewers are, are here uh, from other countries? I believe... Uh, Over 20? No, no, no. I think we have about 10 producers. Yeah. So, so today we have... just me trying to count them quickly in my head. Today we have about... We have uh, Jeremy from Beaver Town. We, have, we should have five different producers, Paolo if I remember correctly. from Beer del Borgo. Yep. Manuel and Giovanni from Beer Fico del Tocato. That's right. Garth is here from uh, Makana Meadery in South Africa. We're doing a special show with him. That's right. And Jerome is here from DuPont. So that's... This is a jackpot. <laughs> we are the place. I know. And, uh, New York is the winner. I, I just love the style that you guys have, and I love, I love the brewers that you have. So, Thank you, Jeremy. Uh, next up, we've got Jeremy Lewis of Beaver Town Brewery. And uh, just tell us a little bit about Beaver Town. Yeah, Beaver Town. I know it's from the Cockney part of uh, Victorian London. Ah, you've and done, you guys haven't changed in 200 years. You've done a little research. Uh, Beaver Town was founded by Logan Plant in 2011 uh, as a brew pub concept uh, called Duke's Brewing Q. Um, Logan was inspired by a trip to New York, coincidentally, uh, where he was playing a gig and went to Fetai Sao and was inspired by the scene that he saw there. Um, so he decided to do that himself in London. Uh, so he created Duke's Brewing Q in an area of London, East London, called De Beauvoir Town, uh, which the Cockneys of East London coined Beaver Town, uh, which became Beaver Town. Um, so the restaurant was called Duke's Brewing Q, and the beer that he was producing for the restaurant was called Beaver Town. He, he, he focused on two recipes in the beginning, uh, exclusively to pair with the food that was produced in the restaurant. Uh, one was uh, a smoked porter called Smog Rocket, uh, and that was to pair with the beef ribs. And the other was called Eight Ball, which is a rye IPA, and that was to pair with the pork ribs. Um, what are we drinking? This is a special beer you brought over from This England. is a very special beer. This is, um, this is the UK's first canned double IPA, uh, and it's called Skull King. Uh, I don't even believe it's been released in the UK yet. So uh, if this gets uh, if this gets dropped before it is, then there's going to be a lot of uh, angry uh, Brits around here. I think on the, on the radio we get special access sometimes. Right? <laughs> Definitely. I, th- I think I met Logan a couple years ago. That I met a British guy with a beard. Yeah. Who was talking about he was inspired by Fetisau and he was checking up barbecue places. So I, it might have been you might have seen him just before he he created uh, Dukes and, and Beavertown. But shortly after Beavertown was was started, uh, Dukes was started. Uh, people began asking about the beer, and they wanted to wholesale the beer. So he very quickly had to expand. Uh, so the first expansion was a storage unit right around the corner from the restaurant. Uh, so he would continue to brew in the restaurant opposite the smokers in the kitchen. Uh, he'd have to brew in the mornings and clear out before the chefs got there. Uh, and then he'd hop behind the bar and pour Jeremy, the beers. are you American? I am. I'm from Oregon. I know. I was expe- you just screwed up my show. Yeah. I was expecting a really good English accent. No. Forget you, it. No. You're not getting that from me. Sorry. So London. It's a so bloody mess. What, what are the laws like? Can you just you can just put a pub, a, a brewery in your pub? Uh, well, yeah, we're we're not um, we're not bound by the three tier system that the that the United States has. So we as as beer producers can sell to the consumer. We can sell to a wholesaler. We can sell to an importer. We're free to trade with whoever we like. 
Um, it's a blessing and a curse uh, because it makes for chaos when you're trying to distribute your product around the country uh, because you get lots of people who are infighting and kind of all of all of this. So um, we take a really considered approach to who, who we trade with and how we trade uh, in order to minimize the, the sort of fallback. So as, as you guys grow, when do you make that decision to sell to the United States? Uh, that decision was made probably about a year ago, kind of uh, just just um, just before our major expansion, where we've moved into our current site, where where we're brewing uh, 50 heck uh, batches uh, into uh, 100 heck fermenting vessels, and we have a dozen of those. Um, so just before that, Matthias visited uh, the brewery in Stour Road. Uh, I believe he made a very good impression, uh, as he does most times, and um, and th- his his idea and his philosophy towards beer distribution uh, was very well received by us, and we very and we very much appreciated the consideration that he took towards it. Well, I feel like I'm in the rock star hall of fame here today. We got all these great brewers. We got we got Beaver Town, Del Borgo's coming up, Del Ducato. The Meadery uh, from South Africa is with us. He's going to be on another show with us. And and Justin Phillips, you, you know, brew table. You've kind of been the front the front lines uh, since the beginning. All this stuff. Come here, get over. You're the one that brought in this. He brought me this can of Beavertown Skull King Double IPA. I, I did not bring it to you. It was, you a, it was, it it was, a, it was a gift from Jeremy. <laughs> and, but you knew it, it was, was a good. gift to me, to you. <laughs> I re-gifted it to all of us. Have you had Beavertown at beer pan, beer table? Yes, a couple of times, but also was just visiting there uh, and loved it and had a great time, which is why I'm excited to be here today. And, and Michael, when did you guys first start bringing Beavertown to the States? It was very recently. Uh, I believe our first tank container from them was in about January or maybe like early February. Um, so far, in fact, we've only brought them in the brewery on draft uh, via one of our, uh, our, now two of our tank container units. So, so far we've had their Appalachian, which is a, uh, they call it a barley champagne. It's a... Um, whoa, whoa, whoa. No? Uh, well, yeah, originally we called it a barley champagne. All right, so things uh, have but changed, then, But then we, we heard from France, and apparently they don't like, um, like you calling anything produced outside of the Champagne region of France uh, champagne. So we renamed it Appalachian, and it's a Bramley Apple Saison. Okay, uh, it was a beer brewed in, inspired by champagne, uh, but it very much uh, is not called that. Well, that's actually one of the kegs that we have that's going on tonight. That's right. Yeah. Is the Appalachian. Ap- Appalachian, yes. Um, and that was inspired by a letter we got from France uh, talking about the Appalachian of the grapes from the Champagne region and how that gives uh, the legitimacy to the, the the, the beers produced. But some of the other beers we've sent over are uh, uh, Black Betty, which right. is a black IPA, um, hints of licorice, um, very kind of Moorish beer, um, and then most recently our Blood Orange IPA, which is called Bloody Owl. Uh, it's a seasonal beer. We get blood oranges from Italy. Uh, we take the zest and the juice of the blood oranges, and we add it late in the boil of a big, hoppy, juicy IPA, and it's a, it's a stunning beer. That one just landed in, yeah. uh, in the States. About uh, two weeks ago. So we have Paolo here from uh, Del Borgo. Yep. And uh, what do you think of this English double IPA? Actually, it's uh, really good. We uh, we got the opportunity to visit Beaver Town uh, just a couple of days ago, actually. And um, we, it's impressive how everything is changing in London right now and in the UK scene. So uh, by the traditional stuff to the new one in Beaver Town, I think they are they represent basically 
the the best of the new uh, of the new trend over there in the UK. Thanks, thanks for that, Paolo. Checks in the mail. <laughs> we got quite a show. J- Jonathan White, our favorite cheesemaker from Bobolink, is here. Stop my great beer guy. And this has been a, this is an awesome show. We're we're gonna have to edit this down. We're not sure what's going on, but we're in the front of Jimmy's number forty three on a Friday night. We're partying, getting ready for Nepenthia tomorrow. And I, I do credit to Mateus and Be United. I love this whole community that you guys have built. Where, where you've got it's like we're all family. It's like for us as a radio show and, and a pub, we have a relationship with you guys. For these brewers, you know, like Ducato and, and, and Borgo and Hidachino and Beavertown, some of us have been together for so many years now. Yeah, one of the most important things um, of our company philosophy when we start working with a new producer is that it's not simply just a relationship between an importer who's buying a product from a brewery who's selling a product. What we really try to build with all of our breweries is a relationship, a real partnership. Um, so this comes through collaboration. This Through the Zimitore project, which consists of partially barrel-aging some of the beers that our brewers produce in Europe and uh, overseas at our facility or trying to listen to inspiration from our brewers or even giving them ideas for for things that they can produce at their own uh, breweries. So again, like a lot of our philosophy comes down to collaborating with our breweries and really creating a true partnership. And then this expands, obviously, from us and the breweries to then us and, and bars. We have, so let's go over Paolo Bertani with Dura del Borgo. So today on draft, we'll be serving the, the Perla Borchi. Perla Borchi, right. And tell us about that beer. So uh, this beer, it's one of the uh, experimental beer that we make. We make a lot of, be- of different beers. On a year basis, we make more than 30 beers. And uh, one of the most things that Leonardo, since the beginning, so since like 2005 when the brewery was founded, uh, wanted, to know, wanted to do was to push the boundaries of the concept of the beer over. So, and this is uh, an example, for instance, because uh, we make a lot of different beers, and uh, Michael and uh, Matthias, they know really well that we make crazy stuff. One of the crazy stuff is this one that we're going to have in a, in a little bit, and it's uh, basically our interpretation of a classic style, an old style, like oyster style. In this one, we we decided to to bring some, uh, obviously, some fresh oysters. So every batch of 2,500 liters, we use 50 kilos of oysters. With the whole oysters in or the The whole oysters. The whole oysters. And actually, uh, also, we had 10 kilos of tellina. Tellina are typical from our region. So we put 50 kilos of French oysters and 10 kilos of tellina every batch that we make. Tellina clams? Yeah, exactly. I think the proper English translation is bean clam. Bean clam. Okay, cool. So you have clams and oysters. Yeah, tellina is not. (laughs) They really don't exist over here. (laughs) Why do you think historically people put oysters in beer or seafood in beer? heard lobster shells. Well, there are a lot of stories about that. I think that most of them are like legends or something like that. But um, basically, yeah, it was, um, I think that the, the most uh, reliable one is just the stout always pair really good with oysters. Uh, historically in Ireland, it's a style that is, uh, has its roots in Ireland. But uh, we wanted to make our version because our philosophy is to give an interpretation of classic style and not just to copy classic styles. And uh, about this beer, it's uh, really good. Uh, actually, the, the fact that uh, we make just once a year, 
so we, we brew just a small amount. But the day we make this beer, we create a big event. That it's called Oysters Day, uh, and it's actually we invite three to four hundred people to the brewery uh, to celebrate this beer all together. And uh, after, right after the batch, we put over the, the oysters and we cook uh, spaghetti with those oysters for three hundred people. And there, there is a vibe during this day that it's great. How do you cook spaghetti with oysters? Well, actually, uh, I don't cook, fortunately, but we got some some really skilled guys and uh, the whole crew that they could make it really good, actually, inside the brewery. That sounds good. So, hey, Giovanni, tell us, what, what do you know about Bira del Borgo? Bira del Borgo... Belongs to the second wave of the Italian craft beer movement, of the Italian craft beer movement, because the pioneers started in '96. Pioneers such uh, like Birrificio uh, Italiano, Baladem, Birre del Borgo, and the Birrificio del Ducato belongs to the second wave. Second wave. It's, uh, we can say, 10 years later. Vera de Borgo uh, was founded in uh, 2005 and Verificio uh, uh, Ducato in 2007. So. But we, That's the second wave, two years later. Yes. <laughs> it's a new industry, isn't it? It is. It is. And, uh, I love the scene, man. To me, this is what beer is about. And I love it. I love Italy anyways. But what's, what's different about the Italian brewers, Michael? Is it like they're cooking or... I don't want to stereotype Italians because I'm Italian too. <laughs> I think the beers are better. I love them. I love their their approach, their their palates. You know, it's just different. Yeah, I can say that. Sorry, sorry, please, no, no, please. I, I can say that. Can, um, the the approach that we have is um, completely free from any beer tradition. Uh, we're not like Germans that are stuck in, in their traditions. We, we have to. Um, we, we, we may be we, we can be creative and in, in some way we can uh, push the boundaries of the, of the beer world we, we have created some new styles or new beers beer with wine with wine must chestnut ales better days beer better let's say for you since, since you've been brewing in Italy tell me about five different breweries that you really respect that you think represent Italian craft beer well, it's, it's very hard to tell five words, but I can I can I can tell. I can say Birrificio uh, Italiano because I was trained at Birrificio Italiano and I think they are very good in uh, in their job. Very, uh, they're German inspired, but um, very always very clean, and uh, the philosophy is solid. Birre del Borgo, I really respect Borgo because of their creativity. Then uh, um, I like Lover Beer, Lover Beer, Lover Beer, yeah. Because uh, it's uh, uh, he brews beer completely uh, new and different, and uh, he's radical. He only brews sours, and uh, well, I I can't tell. Three, three, it's enough. Now we get to now. There's more. The Del Borgo Stout's coming out now. This is a challenging show, and I'm really excited to do it. We got we got like 
five or six brewers from overseas. Here in Jimmy's number 43. It's a loud party. Having fun. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. In 1996, L. Knife & Son acquired Union Beer Distributors, which was originally located on Union Avenue in Brooklyn, but has since expanded to its present location alongside the English Kills Canal in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Union Beer has grown dramatically in the last decade as the primary distributor of Anheuser-Busch products for Kings County, Brooklyn, through the hiring and development of the best people in the industry. In 2003, Union Beer acquired a powerful catalog of specialty brands, which immediately positioned them as the craft beer supplier to accounts in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island. Union perpetually tweaks their portfolio to maintain the highest level of stylistic breadth with the most coveted brands available. Through the highest possible level of service, outstanding salesmanship of the ultimate lineup of brands, and a paramount focus on education on all levels, Union Beer has solidified its position as the only source for the best selection of beers in the 14 counties of southeastern New York. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. Welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. We're a special show here. It's uh, May 1st, 2015. We're at Jimmy's number 43. It's a wild crowd, but we have uh, five different brewers from all over the world here as part of the Be United in Nepenthia celebration that's happening tomorrow. So when you hear this, it, it might be a month later. But I've had a great time today. I've, I've talked with the guys from uh, Del Ducato in Italy, Del Borgo, um, Beaver Town in, in England, and, and we're still talking. Also joining us is uh, Domaine Dupont, J- Jerome Dupont, who's inspired us so much with, with cider and the cider scene in Europe. So first, let's finish up with uh, the Italian guys. So right now, we're drinking the Oyster Stout from Del Borgo. We got Paolo, he came out. Yep. And, and last night, you guys were in, in Rome. Tell me what you did in Rome last night. Actually, uh, probably it's better that Giovanni could speak, because uh, Leonardo, that he's coming here, uh, and Giovanni had a uh, uh, event together in Rome. That actually means to me, and then I'll leave the, the words to Giovanni, that uh, it really represents how the craft beer scene in Rome, in Italy, uh, it's joined together. So it's a community. We don't see each other as competitor, but we see each other as other companies where uh, you could share project ideas and they're willing to go forward. Yes, that's really true. And um, especially in Rome, uh, there's a, a huge uh, amount of fans of uh, beer geeks. And uh, Rome is one of the places uh, in Europe where you can find uh, a lot of pubs and uh, beer shops that carries only craft beers. And uh, I can tell you, um, Rome has about 100 pubs that serves uh, craft beers and uh, about more than 100 uh, beer shops. And Rome is a, is a town of how many people? Six million? No, maybe three. Three million, yeah. okay. There's, there's one guy I know, there's a Johnny's Off License. Yeah. It's funny, he was one of the, the first guys yeah. yeah. from the world of Italian craft beer and he was coming to New York and this was back in 2006 and I realized that a, he knew more about European beer than I did. Then he knew more about American craft beer. He put me to shame because even back in 2006, I only had a few local craft beers here. 
primarily Six Point, which is the, the new brewery in Brooklyn. But I didn't have that many American craft beers. I still had mostly European beers. And meeting Johnny from Johnny's Off License was, was a huge change for me. I was embarrassed. He said, what, what New York beers do you have? He said, well, I have Six Point on draft, which is really great. I only had some bottles of Omegang. Other than that, I, I, because I, w- I was old school. For a long time, all the great beers were made in, in Europe in the great beer styles. So it's, it's funny that Johnny from Rome yes. is the guy that made me start thinking I should pay more attention to American craft beer. I mean, what, what's his store like? Is that a respected store? Is it more he was the real pioneer, I think, because he opened up, actually, I remember the day Johnny opened, it was 2003, so he was the real pioneer in the whole scene, in Italy and in Rome especially. Right now, uh, it's, as Johnny said, it's full of uh, different bottle shop, uh, craft beer bar, and stuff like that, and it uh, uh, has become, in some way, trendy to, talk, to, to serve craft beer. But uh, the, at the really beginning, like 10 years ago, there were just a few pioneers that... Uh, uh, were able to talk in a proper way about craft beer and to serve in a proper way. One of these, for instance, is Manuele of Marquesia de Monterfa, who is uh, one of the best beer bars in Europe. And uh, I, I honestly think that Rome right now is one of the best city in Europe, maybe the best city in Europe to drink and to home hang around and to drink craft beer. I agree. I agree. What are some places? That, my friend, you know Katie Parla? Yeah, we know really Katie well. Parla's come to New York and she's done uh, Italian beer tastings. She's very critical. She's, she's, a, she's a tough critic. Yeah. What are some places that you would take Katie Parla in Rome to drink Italian craft beer? Ma che siete venuti a fare? Beer and food. Yeah, beer and Barley wine. Mastro Tita because uh, it's, it's a place that deserves a visit. Yeah, actually, I remember the late night. Katie Pala was uh, really critical at the beginning uh, with a place that we, we got some uh, participation that is the Open Baladan uh, bar in Rome, uh, opened in 2009 with more than 40 Italian, just Italian craft beer on draft. Uh, and Katie, actually, she was really critical criticism with, uh, with the bar at the beginning, but then she changed totally her mind, and right now she's over there like uh, at least once a week. So it's, uh, it's how it's representative of how everything is changed about craft beer. It's no more about something about just bar beer dick, but it's for everyone. I think for a time, if, if someone were uh, you know an expert, like Katie Parla is a, a food expert, is American, writes the New York Times, but she lives in Rome. She was probably looking for things like food and maybe wine. So maybe for her to, to learn about Italian craft beer, it's a learning curve, right? Do, do you feel that your other customers are the same way? or that, Do all the young people, are they interested in beer? I think that uh, young people right now, it's really interesting to see how young people is uh, reacting to craft beer because uh, we, we are basically facing a, a generation, uh, the ones between, uh, let's say, 18 years old and... Uh, 25 years old that basically their first beer was a craft beer so they didn't have to change and to shift from the commercial one to the craft, to the craft, but they just uh, grew up, grew up with, uh, grew up with the, with the craft beer, and this is uh, really important because it's a new generation, and in terms of market, obviously, it's something that we, we're gonna have to look at. And, and the first choice of the, the of the young people is uh, IPAs, of course, like everywhere. But uh, that's something that I, I told to, uh, I told to Leonardo last night. 
we at Birificio del Ducato and you and Biere del Borgo we we are more focused on the establish a real Italian tradition which is not only the IPAs the so boring IPAs because we are we brew very good IPAs like you and they are very appreciated and we sell a lot of it and we like to enjoy our IPAs it's not only about IPAs okay last question for the Italian guys let's say you were born 20 years earlier you were older what jobs would you have that's a tough one Well, uh, basically, I, I don't think craft beer because uh, 20 years ago in Italy it was just uh, impossible. Uh, I, I have no idea, actually. I'm, uh, I consider myself lucky to be in this field, and uh, I really enjoy this field, so uh, that's all. I can't tell. I, I, I think I, maybe I will be in a, a medical doctor or a resource in the You would have been a doctor, yeah. <laughs> But that's why we love craft beer, all the best. We're going to jump. We got so many people here tonight, so many important people. Jerome DuPont from Domain DuPont. I will say that one reason I know you yes. is that many years ago in New York in Blind Tiger, the chef that worked with me said, you have to try this thing. It's called Pomo. Okay. And, you know, you tell us about Pomo, but that's what we're drinking now. And it was your Pomo. Yeah. And for many years, I, I put it into a cask on the bar. And it was the one thing we had that was stronger than beer. So we're actually doing this in the right, the right uh, what do you call it, procession. Right way, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, had, we had a bunch of beers, and now I want something else. Okay. And now I want Pomo. Okay. So tell us about Pomo and, and your family yeah. businesses. Dissolved. So P- Pomo is a, is a traditional... Uh, sort of fortified wine produced in Normandy uh, farmers in Normandy when they wanted to keep sweet cider uh, the only technique they had was to add some strong spirit to stop the fermentation and that's how Pomo was in every farm I would say for a long time in every Normandy farm and uh, it's only been uh, before the turn of the 20th century that Pomo became an appellation in France and that uh, it has been regulated but really the, the origin of Pomo is really farmers wanted to, treat, wanted to keep sweets, apple juice, and they had no temperature control, they had no pasteurization, so they would so add a way to preserve it. A way to preserve it by killing the fermentation by adding strong spirit to it. So that's the story of Pomo. And uh, I mean, my, my family's been producing cider and calvados and and Pomo for four generations so you know it's it's a natural part of the portfolio of the Mendipon. Yeah I think that Pomo is is the un the undiscovered part of cider because even in New York State now there, there's some there's a South Hill cider and finger legs they're making a nice Pomo. Okay. But the first time I had it was was from you guys. Okay. So it makes a lot of sense. You're saying the old days would be fermenting cider yeah and they they want to keep they it want sweet to, they want to keep it sweet and the only way to stop the fermentation was to add, add strong strong alcohol to it and because in normally the, the local the local spirit was calvados then uh, that's what the farmers were doing stop the fermentation keep the, the sugar the residual sugar in the in the apple juice and then drink it as and when they wanted it 
So, so in like the procession of a meal, this is like a port, a sherry. Yeah. Normally, you drink it two ways. You drink it either as an aperitif. French people are quite fond of sweet, sweet, uh, sweet uh, alcohol before before dinner. Also, like a port and an after dinner drink. Uh, so there's two ways of, uh, of drinking pomo. Now there's some other guys here that are making mead and cider too. So uh, there's a gentleman here from Maine. You try some of the pomo. Uh, have you? I want to try to get a little cider conversation with you because. Oh, lovely. I know what happened was uh, you were one of the inspirations for a lot of American cider makers. Okay. And uh, there's Cider Week in New York that's been really big. But I don't, I don't know if you followed the. Development of cider. And I know. Flavor. I know cider. Is, cider category has been growing, growing very strongly in the U.S. And we've also seen that in the amount of cider that we sell in the U.S. through United. So uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's very interesting to see that uh, you know. Uh, I understand that you know American discovered that the, the, the pinus drink was cider, and they're, re, they're coming back to uh, back to the original drinks and. Uh, and uh, there's a big attraction on, on cider nowadays, and it's it's great. It's good for the category. You make you make some great ciders. Okay. Tell, yeah. tell us the different ciders that you make. So they, I know the cider boucher. We make the cidre boucher, which is a traditional farmhouse cider uh, that you can find in any any farm, any cider cider production in, in Normandy. Uh, and thanks to Matthias and Be United, who was a very uh, good inspiration to us in trying to go a little bit. Bit further from the traditional boundaries, we've developed some other ciders. The cider reserve, which is a cider that we age in some of our capitals barrels, was one of the first cider we've, we've developed thanks to the uh, ideas that Matthias uh, suggested us. And also, we uh, we produced a, a triple cider coming from the inspiration of the triple Belgian ales, uh, triple fermentation, first fermentation, fermentation on the on the natural sugar of the uh, ciders, second fermentation with added, added sugar uh, in the tanks, and then the third fermentation at the bottling stage. Uh, and the idea is that because we only use very bitter apples, we try to balance out the bitterness of the apples with the, uh, the alcohol strength of the cider to have a, a balanced cider. Another cider that we've uh, we've produced is the uh, uh, a cider that is inspired by the uh, Champagne uh, region. So we call the Cuvée Colette from my grandmother. That is produced just like Champagne with méthode traditionnelle, remuage, dégorgement, uh, and another cider that we. What's it like being in a, in a family business? What is it like? Were you working there as a child, or did no, you, no, no, no? You I, never wanted to. I. Uh, I did my I did my own thing, and I joined. I was an engineer. My background is engineering, and I joined the family business in 2002. Um, so in the family, my father did the same. He did his own thing, and then joined the family business later on, which helps to grow, to open your mind, you know. Um, so it's it's good to work in the family business. There's some good and some bad things, you know. Uh, and do you have brothers and sisters? I've got a sister working with me. So when I'm, you were younger, did you have competitions? Or? No, 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 no. It's all, you know, yeah. it's, not, it's not something you think of when you're... Or my father's never put any pressure on us about you know, who's going to take over the business. Uh, it, it was, uh, you know, every, it was my own, my own will to come back and sort of 
take the uh, you know continue the uh, the, continue the, uh, the his family history um, in, in, in France how does the, 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 how does it work for like succession from you know parent to child in, in a business how does it work I mean do you do, will you own the business or is there some yeah, I, I don't know what the rules are for France uh, it's, it's uh, how do you pass down a business you have to it's uh, you have to follow certain procedures uh, but it's you know, it's pretty simple uh, pretty natural it really depends on you know it's more of a personal issue you know does, does a family does a father wants to give up the business and transfer to the other or does he want to keep it a little longer and do his own thing but technically speaking there's a lot of family business in Normandy in France in general uh, and it's something that is uh, I would say pretty easily under control nothing really special about that very natural I know France has great traditions of, of food and yeah. cider and wine I mean is that do you think about that a lot that you have to keep a tradition going uh, no I, I, the idea is not you have to the idea is that uh, it's fun there's a lot of things that, that you can do a lot of potential uh, especially in the cider area that is uh, where uh, if you you know if you open your eyes a little bit you can you can and if you get inspiration of the bre- the, the beer world where the people in the beer world are, are very uh, innovative um, and if you if you're happy to sort of jump the boundary from being very traditional to open your eyes and be innovative innovative you can do a lot of things uh, in the in the in the world of uh, food and wine and spirits, and uh, I'm having fun. I tell you, I'm having fun. I'm having fun, and it's very, it's great to uh, try new ciders. It's great to try new Calvados. You know, we do also new things on the Calvados side. Uh, you know, it's fun, really. It's fun. Same for me. Same for me. I feel the same. I take my inspiration not only from the beer world but from other um, other world like the wine world in this case the, the world of cider accountable and uh, and also I take my inspiration of course from literature from music from the other world of culture because our, I think that we are very lucky because uh, our our job is uh, a sort of uh, I consider my job, my job, a, a way to express myself, yeah. my insights, my uh, my visions, my inner world. So, and you, you, you like you, same, the same, same. And I really appreciate all uh, all the things that, uh, that I have the chance to to try from you. Uh, I really found uh, a great complexity and the greatest finesse. Yes. Yes. And I'm respect to this because I, from a producer, my point of view, is something that's very hard to do. I agree, and and I must say that Be United and Matthias from Be United was a a great uh, help for that because when before we 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 started to work with Be United, we were very. Following the traditions of France with Calvados and Cider, and, and Be United and Matthias were as an eye opener, and uh, he really always pushed us in trying new things. Because and thanks to this this beer world and this innovation on the craft beer side, 
it really had an impact on us. And, and Matthias and Matthias and Be United was a real important stone in our business to go outside of the tradition and try to express ourselves and try new things, being not complex, have no complex about that. Uh, and it was really uh, a big step for us in the mind. You know, I can tell the same because Matthias has always been uh, on our side and has always pushed us for support to improve, to support my support creativity. Yeah, your creativity. Yeah. He's, he's also, I know, what BNI does is they're making, helping you guys make a quality product and find the market for it. Because if you had a bad importer, you'd be what? Yeah. You still have to sell something. But he's very supportive in any new things. And that's, that's a very, that's very special. And that's priceless for producers like us, I think. I just want to say I think that it, he's a vision. There's little parts of, of this business of beer and cider and, and importers is an important role, distributors important role. Yes. And we do all work together because without the importers and distributors, and, and, you know, and, and, and bar owners like us, we wouldn't have this great product. And you guys have a very important role as well to promote the products. Yes. <laughs> but we do try to work with, with the best distributors and importers because they're kind of our agents and they're, they're between us. And now we're all friends, right? We do some high fives. I could talk to you guys. Thank you very much. Again, time. what's special about this is these brewers are here, insider makers, in New York tomorrow. They're going to Connecticut. We're lucky to see them, and I'm, I'm feeling very honored today. I'll sign off and give big thanks to our sponsor, Union Beer Distributors. And uh, that's it for tonight. Thanks so much. We'll see you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening. 